Imagine your new bathroom. A sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. Welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. I'm Pamela Clark, founder and director of the New Heights Educational Group. And I'm here with David Smith, the founder of Silicon Valley High School, who has helped us get these podcasts produced and delivered to you. Yes, Pamela, when we saw the great things that you and your army of volunteers were achieving at New Heights, we wanted to get involved. We're happy to work with you to leverage the internet and make quality education accessible and affordable to everyone, everywhere. Thank you, David. We appreciate Silicon Valley High School helping us to get these podcasts out to the hundreds of thousands of listeners from all over the world. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the New Heights Show on Education. I hope you all had a great weekend. This is your host, Anna Shee. Thank you all for tuning in to today's show. If at any time you want to ask a question, um, this is a pre-recorded show today, so you can find my email and my profile on Spreaker, um, and you can just send me your question, comments, uh, whatever you want to say through the email. So because today is a pre-recorded show, because unfortunately um, I have things going on today and I'm unable to do a live show, um, there will be no speaker chat available um, and there will be no Zoom meeting available either. So anytime you just want to communicate with me again, you can just find my email in my speaker profile and just email me your question, comment, etc. Um, however, this show will still be, um, we'll still have two parts to it. So the first half right now, uh, will be the first 15 minutes of the show. And then the second half, which you should be able to like access, like eat very, very easily, um, will be the next 15 minutes of the show. So there's not going to be any like quick break unless you decide to take that quick break. It's totally up to you. Um, but other than the fact that there's no Zoom meeting, speaker chat, and it's not a live show, everything else is the same. So for new listeners, the New Heights Educational Group, or NHEG, which is the group of people that I volunteer with, um, their goal is to promote literacy in children and adults by offering a variety of educational support services. If you want to find out more about us or our other amazing radio shows, you can check us out at newheightseducation.org. You can also email us at newheightseducation at yahoo.com or call us at 419-786-0247. Right now, you might be struggling through your classes or even failing them. You might be worried that you may not finish high school. There might have even been a thought that you may not be smart enough. Well, the New Heights Educational Group begs to differ. We not only think you are smart enough, but with our help, you will complete your high school diploma. The New Heights Educational Group strives to improve your academic success through its tutoring services. To learn more, please visit newheightseducation.org and contact us. New Heights Educational Group, educational resources to help reach your goals. And now, 
Right before I begin, as always, I just want to clarify that I own none of this information that I'm about to present to you guys today. All of them can be found uh, from the links included in this episode's description, which you should be able to access like right this moment because it's a pre-recorded show. So um, as you can tell by the title today, we're going to be talking about the Black Cap Chickadee. So the Arctic session is now officially over and um, now we're moving on to some of my favorite creatures, the songbirds, especially the ones that you can probably find like all over America and in New England and such. Um, So yeah. Let's start. So first of all, this bird, um, which is like basically almost universally considered cute, uh, thanks to its rather oversized round little head and its very tiny body um, and its like really petite, almost kind of like feet and wings and feathers. And it, has, and it seems to have like a curiosity about curiosity about almost everything, including humans. Um, and their black cap, of course, is also um, one of their characteristic features, along with their uh, white cheeks, their great back, their wings, tail, and their whitish underside. It's kind of like fluffy too, um, with buffy kind of like size to their wings. And these are all some of their characteristics that you can probably find in a lot of black cap chickadees and they have a habit of investigating people and almost everything else in its home territory and it also is pretty quick to discover bird feeders so besides sparrows it might be one of the first birds to appear in your bird feeder and this is why um, the black cap chickadee is one of the first birds that most people like learn about um, so I can testify to the curiosity of the black cap chickadee. Um, I know some of my friends who say that they can go to like, there's this park that they can go to, um, and they keep their hands out with some seeds and the black cap chickadees just like come over with almost no fear, kind of almost, and they just start eating from their hand. So they're pretty curious about humans and um, as well as food, I suppose. And um, there was this other time when I saw a black cap chickadee on my porch once and it seemed pretty curious as to like um, what I was doing there and such. So yeah, black cap chickadees are pretty curious about the things that are going on around them. And they probably look pretty curious based on their kind of always like very quick and perky demeanor. So they're very cute little creatures and um, certainly a very interesting species of bird to learn about. So um, in terms of their size and shape, they have a very short neck, as you'll probably notice, and a rather large head, which gives it a kind of like distinctive and almost spherical body shape, which is quite interesting. And they have a tail that's a little bit longer and narrower in comparison to the rest of his like spherical spherical body. And their bill is very, very short and a bit thicker than say a warbler's, but thinner than a finch's of course. Their color pattern, um, they're like basically just kind of black on the head, hence their name, black cap chickadee, and white undersides with gray sides. Um, these birds uh, seldom remain at bird feeders, like if you find them, if you happen to find them there, except to grab like a seed or two to eat um there and then they might pop somewhere else to eat a little bit and then they might pop somewhere else so they're really kind of i feel like um when you observe black cap chickadees they always seem to be on the lookout for more predators so they never really stay in one place for very long 
and they just kind of maybe like poke a little bit here then poke a little bit there and their body movements are always very almost like perky and extremely quick and agile and i think it would make sense because they're very very tiny birds in comparison to say like sparrows and blue jays and such and um they would always have to be on the lookout for predators just like other songbirds of course but they probably might even have to do more so because of how tiny they are so um, however, their tininess and like uh, their almost perky movements, they're very acrobatic and they usually kind of flock together in groups called flocks. And um, the sudden activity when a flock arises is actually pretty distinctive. So what they do is they often fly across roads and open areas one at a time with an almost bouncy kind of flight. So it's kind of funny, I guess. I've never actually seen this happen, but um, it would be, I think it's if you look it up maybe on YouTube or just looked up a video of it, it would be a pretty interesting uh, sight to see. <laughs> and um, these birds are also very active. Um, they're also very social, hence they live in flocks. And they actually often associate themselves with woodpeckers, nuthatches, warblers, um, and other small woodland species. And they, like, they're pretty friendly, I suppose, with other birds. They also feed on insects besides seeds that you can find in like your local bird feeder. Um, they usually perch with, they like rarely perch within several feet of one another while taking food or eating. And also the, when they're in flocks, uh, they have many calls with different meanings and they may contain some of the characteristics of even human language. So these birds are pretty intelligent. Um, they're really curious, active, social, acrobatic. So they're almost like humans in their intelligence and curiosity. Um, but of course, they also have those characteristic bird, um, bird features like acrobatic, being acrobatic and such. And of course, flight, which we can't do naturally. Um, in terms of their habitat, chickadees may be found in virtually any habitat that has trees or woody shrubs. And these include forests, woodlots, um, residential neighborhoods, uh, parks, uh, weedy fields, and cattail marshes. So they can be found in a wide variety of places. And you can usually find them nesting in birch or alder trees. Chickadees are found in deciduous and mixed forests, um, also including open woods, parks, willow thickets, cottonwood groves, and disturbed areas. Um, so they really kind of make their home in like trees and really woody areas, which would make sense if you think about it, because if they are trying to hide from predators, they could like easily kind of hide and use their acrobaticness to jump between the branches um, in order to escape and hide from predators and like keep their young safe and such. So it's a pretty good environment for them and they're pretty well adapted to it. Um, little flocks of black-capped chickadees usually live in the winter woods with their kind of active behavior. And of course, there are well-known um, chickadee DD call notes, which are very cheery sounding as they fly from tree to tree. And again, they do assort them, associate themselves with a lot of other birds like nuthatches, uh, kinglets, and other birds. 
So black-capped chickadees are a really um, popular bird across the northern United States and southern Canada. And they're virtually always welcomed at bird feeders. And I think one of their favorite seeds is like sunflower seeds. They might take them like one at a time and fly away to stuff them into barks and such to save for later. Almost like squirrels, this is a very intelligent method for them to use as well. So if you do want to attract these cute little creatures to your bird feeders, some here are some backyard tips. So they're one of the easiest birds, fortunately, to attract to feeders. Um, if as long as you have like sunflower seeds or peanuts somehow in there, kind of, they don't mind using very tiny hanging feeders that swing in the wind either, which is probably pretty fortunate for you if you do happen to have one of those feeders. Um, and this probably has to do with the fact that they're very acrobatic and they're pretty tiny. So they're good at hanging on to tiny and swinging things. Um, they also readily visit window feeders. Um, planting willow, alder, and birch trees provide future nesting habitat for chickadees. So if you happen to have one of those hanging around somewhere, if you want to put a bird feeder there, go for it. Or if you want to start planting your own trees, which is never a bad idea, um, willow, alder, and birch trees are usually the ones that they build nests in. You can, and I think if you um, find the right material, you might be able to get some good close-ups um, without disturbing them, of course, of their nests and take a look at how the mother takes care of her, of her baby chicks. You can also find out more about what this bird likes to eat and what feeder is best for this lovely bird by using... Um, so this is a, another um, thing I found from one of the websites. The Project Feeder Watch Common Feeder Birds Bird List. Uh, feeders and nest boxes are also used by chickadees, so if you want to build a little box for their nests and such, um, you can consider putting that up to attract a breeding pair of black-capped chickadees. And make sure you put it up well before the breeding season. So what you can do is like attach a guard to keep predators from like hurting the kids, like eating the eggs and such. Um, Black-capped chickadees are especially attracted to a box when it's filled with sawdust or wood shavings. And if you want to keep other birds like wrens, which are also very tiny birds, but they're all brown. They're actually very, very shy little birds. Uh, if you want to keep wrens out of the boxes too, um, out of the boxes that you want the chickadees to nest in, what you can do is you place the nest boxes at least 60 feet into a wooded area because remember the black-capped chickadees really like that dense forest kind of area. And the compass orientation of the entrance hole probably doesn't matter that much, like wherever you face the hole. But the chickadees do seem to prefer um, a more like a clear path to the entrance hole without any branches or leaves in the way. And I mean, it just makes sense that way because you want to be able to get to your chicks pretty quickly. I mean, it, it you need the convenience, right? And um, also setting the box uh, farther back from other trees and branches, so kind of just like maybe an isolated tree, I suppose, could help to deter any squirrels or mice from jumping into the box and eating the chickadee eggs and baby chicks. So yes, squirrels and mice do hurt black-capped chickadee babies. So if you want to keep that from happening, that um, these are some tips on what you can do. So the first half of the show is now ending, and I will be back um, in the second half of the show, which you should be able to play.
This podcast is brought to you by Silicon Valley High School, the world's fastest-growing, video-based, self-paced, teacher-supported, fully-accredited online school that's recommended by more than 96% of students. Take individual courses at just $95 each or earn your high school diploma at any age. Check us out at svhs.co. Hey guys, and welcome back to the second half of today's show on Blacktap Chickadees. So, um, where I left off was just talking about like attracting them to your backyard and such. So now, how do you even find this bird? Within their range, of course, and if you look up um, distribution maps of Blacktap Chickadees, they can be vir- they can be found in like virtually every place in North America and Southern Canada. They're usually easily seen at a lot of feeding stations. Um, because of their like curiosity to kind of take a look at things. And of course, they always love food, I'm sure. Um, and they can be virtually found in almost any area with trees. And they are actually more often heard before they're seen, which you might find is pretty common for some of the other birds. They're frequently attracted to investigate birders making like pishing sounds, I suppose. Um once you've learned the birds' calls, though, you can just listen for them and then look for the flocks that they usually travel in. Warblers and other migrating songbirds usually associate themselves with the chickadees um, because, again, the chickadees are pretty social birds. And by looking through the chickadees, you're more likely to find um, these other species as well. So it's like finding a lot of species and just, just by looking for black-capped chickadees. Uh What's interesting, I didn't realize that black-capped chickadees, like, really like to be in flocks, because every time I saw them, they were on, like, by themselves. They were more like solo creatures. But they did seem to be hanging around a lot of other birds, like warblers and such. So that is pretty true. And honestly, if you, um... If you think the black-capped chickadee, um, one of the reasons why it's called a chickadee is because of this, what it sound, what its call sounds like, and it's literally something like chickadee d d d d, and it's like, like the d d part is what you'll probably find is the most characteristic of its calls. They also make some of these calls which are like, um, kind of high pitched whistle sound almost and and these call, calls like this are actually made by cardinals as well occasionally so if you hear these calls you might and it's like it's really this really um short a little bit sharp kind of whistle sound so if you hear that too you might be close to the black half jds and maybe cardinals as well so the if you look up some um of the calls of the black-capped chickadee, you'll be able to find them pretty easily. And honestly, once you hear it once, you can't unhear it. So um, this is going to be a pretty easy call to memorize. So now for some cool facts about the black-capped chickadee. So um, one thing that I did mention earlier is that they do hide seeds and other food items in order to eat later, which is very smart and intelligent of them. And it's, again, it's something that squirrels sometimes do as well. Each item is placed in a different spot, and the chickadee can remember like thousands of hiding places. So they're much better at remembering where they hid their seeds um, than the squirrels, I suppose. Because uh, sometimes, if you because if you don't know, sometimes the squirrels forget where they hide their seeds or like nuts and such. There's trees that just grow based on where they buried them, so it's kind of funny, I guess. But the black-capped chickadee makes sure that doesn't happen, I suppose, because. 
So what happens, um, what allows the black captivity to remember so many things is that um, they're... Every autumn, black-capped chickadees allow brain neurons containing old information to die, and they replace them with new neurons so that they can adapt to changes in their social flocks and environment, um, even in their like brains, which are which may appear to be super super tiny. So, um, what basically they have this great ability of like kind of killing off all their old information, basically, and then just developing new stuff in order to like basic it's literally just out with the old and in with the new information and it helps them greatly when they're trying to adapt to their surroundings and remember um the thousands of hiding places that they made to hide their seeds and other food items so this is a great really great adaptation for them so um chickadee calls are complex uh, for starters, and they're very almost language-like, just like us. And they communicate information on identity and recognition of other flocks, as well as predator alarms and contact calls. And I th according to um, what I found, the more D notes, which is like almost like a beeping sound, like D, D, almost, um, in a chickadee D call, the higher the threat level. So I guess it's almost like a siren. I suppose maybe that's where maybe animals just have something in common where the more deed almost like repeating sounds um it just means that there's more threats but now that's something interesting so i guess that they might if they consider you a threat and you come closer to them they make a lot of dd sounds they might be warning their the rest of their flock that there's something different coming around winter flocks with chickadees serving as the nucleus um kind of, contained mated chickadee pairs and non-breeders, but generally not the offspring of the adult pairs within that flock. And also, again, a lot of other species often associate with chickadee flocks, which include nuthatches, woodpeckers, kinglets, creepers, warblers, and vireos. Most birds that associate with chickadee flocks actually respond to the chickadee alarm calls as well, which is pretty interesting. Even when their own species doesn't actually have a similar alarm call. So black-capped chickadees are like a pretty useful source of um, like social interactions as well as um, threat calls to other birds. So I get so it's almost like a pretty so they got a pretty good relationship with a lot of other birds. It's like pretty popular i suppose uh and of course with all animal species there is a dominance hierarchy within the flocks so some birds are winter floaters which means that they don't belong to a single flock and these individuals may have like a different ranking within each flock that they spend time in so i know um in my high school uh, there are some teachers who don't have specific homeroom classrooms and like they're called floaters because what they because since they don't have a specific like homeroom, they just kind of go from one classroom to another based on where their next class is. Um, so I guess these winter, I don't know, these winter floaters just kind of reminded me of that all of a sudden. And uh, I guess, I don't know, maybe those are the birds that I see always. I feel bad for them, kind of. Even, next fact, um, even when the temperatures are far below zero, chickadees virtually always sleep in their own individual cavities which is like in rotten wood what they do is they kind of excavate nesting and roosting holes entirely on their own so they're pretty tough 
And uh, because small songbirds migrate through an unfamiliar area might associate with chickadee flocks, uh, watching and listening for chickadee flocks during the spring and fall can often alert birders, which are just people who like bird watch, to the presence of interesting migrants. So if you are an avid bird watcher or you just really want to learn more about birds um, or if you're doing a project for school that involves birds, you can totally just kind of like find the chickadees in spring and fall and I'm sure you'll be able to find at least maybe like one or two um, some other birds that are migrating. So this is a pretty cool trick to do. The oldest known black-capped chickadee was a male, and he was at least 11 years and 6 months old when he was recaptured and re-released during banding operations in Minnesota in 2011. And he had been banded in the same state back in 2002. So he is, that is at least the oldest chickadee on record. Um, a little bit more about uh, their food. So they kind of eat a lot of half seeds, berries, and other plant matter. Uh, sometimes half animal food like insects, spiders, um, sometimes bits of fat and meat from frozen carcasses even. So they kind of like eat everything. In the spring, summer, and fall, um, they might eat insects, spiders, other animal food. That's usually in, during that time, um, the meat makes up more of their diet, like 80 to 90%. And at feeders, they take mostly sunflower seeds, peanuts, peanut butter, and mealworms even. I didn't know you could find that in bird feeders. And when they try to eat seeds, what they do is they kind of peck a hole in the shell first, and then they chip out and eat tiny bits of the seed while they're expanding the hole. So they're really, really smart when it comes to like eating and stuff too. <laughs> um, in terms of their um, eggs, usually lay six to eight eggs, sometimes more, sometimes fewer. Their eggs are white with little fine dots of reddish brown, often concentrated around the larger end. And the female is the only one who incubates them, like around 12 to 13 days or so, so like almost two weeks. And um, the female covers up the nest with nest material, and the male often brings food to the female during the incubation. So got a nice husband there. In terms of their conservation, these chickadees are super, super common, and their overall populations increased slightly between 1966 and 2015, according to the North American Breeding Birds Survey. Their western populations actually declined a little bit during this time, but the loss was made up by a lot of um, the increase in eastern populations, so it wasn't too bad. Um, Partners in Flight estimates that the global breeding population is around 41 million, which is a lot, with 54% living in Canada and 46% in the United States. Um, they are not on the 2016 State of North America's bird watches list, so they're not super like in danger at all. I mean, they got 41 million birds out there. So they're really just super widespread and common. Their numbers are pretty stable and probably even increasing in some areas. And um, I really encourage you to check out more about these birds because these birds are just really, really cool, honestly. And also they're super, super cute, which is like a plus, I suppose. Um, and I really also encourage you to learn more about the local songbirds in your area because um, 
these birds are really interesting to learn about once you get started on like even just looking at them and stuff and there's more to birds than just the common sparrow that we see almost every day and if you really observe them you'll find like they have such complex languages and hierarchies and ways of communicating with each other that they're really such beautiful creatures to be around so um i hope you like i hope you enjoyed this show thank you all for tuning in today We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org, for monthly announcements and other happenings. Get ready for the smartest bundle in streaming. Six streaming services for the intellectually curious. Featuring CuriosityStream with the best collection of documentary films and TV shows. Psalm TV and great stories from the world of wine. TasteMade for the fun side of food and travel. Topic with the best thrillers and crime stories. And so much more. From nature to history, technology to food, mystery to adventure. Get six streaming services for one low price. And less than $6 a month, it's the best deal in streaming. Learn more and sign up now at SmartBundle.com.